Hello and welcome to our podcast, In Diverse Conversations. At In Diverse Company, we help organisations to create inclusive cultures that are not just good for business, but good for people too. We've been fortunate enough to meet some fantastic influencers in this space that really brings to life why inclusion is important, not just from a work perspective, but also the effects of change in the wider society. We'll be covering topics such as mental well-being, social mobility, men's mental health, neurodiversity and everything in between. Our podcast series is a chance for our listeners to be able to share some fantastic stories as well as taking away some key insights that can be put into practice. We hope you find this valuable. This week's guest is Cathy Griffin. Cathy is the Chief Risk Officer at fintech business Greensill Capital. Having worked in the banking and financial services for 25 years, Cathy is a passionate advocate for diversity and inclusion both in and outside of the workforce. Mentoring in her spare time, Cathy believes in women empowering women and others, but crucially, never putting the ladder up behind you. Welcome to today's show, Cathy. joining us today. We're so pleased to have you in the studio with us. Let's start off by warming things up with our quick fire round. Tell me which of the following you prefer. So let's start with sunrise or sunset. Oh, definitely sunrise. I am a morning person. Yeah, drive my husband crazy. <laughs> Is he a morning person as well? No. no. <laughs> I burst out of bed to his grumpy little face. <laughs> um, music or podcasts? Oh, that's a tricky one. If I'm running, music, definitely, mm. but to fall asleep, podcasts. I've only really discovered that in the last like three weeks. Mm-hmm. I listen to podcasts and I definitely started to listen to more podcasts in the last couple of months. But the other day I couldn't sleep and I was like, why don't I start listening to a podcast? And it's it really, really helps. helps. Yeah, it really does. I can't sleep in silence at all. Yeah. So especially if it's a podcast I've already listened to. Yeah. Although I do tend to pick true crime podcasts, so they're not particularly relaxing. No, that's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Push your anxiety up. Yeah, I'm to bed. Absolutely terrified. <laughs> um, phone call or text? Text, definitely, always. And honesty or others' feelings? See, I would like to say honesty, but I have this pathological need to be liked so I do tend to tiptoe around people's feelings probably slightly more than I should and are you consciously trying to make an effort around that or are you just like that's me it's not a bad quality to have so let me live with it probably a bit of both so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get the point right at which I say okay you've 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 been too soft for too long you actually now need to tell them how you're feeling because um, I haven't always got that right in the past but generally I'm 43 years old if I haven't got a nail by now I'm probably not going to <laughs> you're never too long to learn new skills that's true yeah um, so thanks for those let's start off today's conversation with talking about your mental health score so mm-hmm. if you were to score your mental health out of 1 to 10 where would you place it and why so today I would say it's probably around the five or six, which is um, quite low for me. Um, I have had, in the past, I'm quite an anxious person, but I've had had periods in the past where that's really been quite um, an issue for me. Mm. But for the last couple of years, I've really focused on it and I've been been doing much better at managing my stress and anxiety levels. Mm. Um, The last few weeks though, have been, I've, I've seen an increase in, in and how do you manage it when you notice when you notice you're becoming more anxious 
What have you found works for you? So I'm really lucky and I'm surrounded by people who know me really well mm-hmm. and who are very good at bringing me back to my equilibrium. Mm-hmm. So when I, and, and I've gotten better over the years at recognising when it's getting to a point where it could become an issue. Mm-hmm. So when I talk to, if I sit to, and talk to my sister or my husband and say, this, this is how I'm feeling, they're mm-hmm. really good at giving me a bit of um, proportionality. Yeah. Um, I would say 99% of my stress is self-inflicted. Right. It doesn't come from my job. It comes from my concern that I'm not good enough at my job. Mm-hmm. So they're really, really good at bringing me back down to earth. But, but on top of that, um, I'm a huge, it's such a cliche, I'm a huge believer in physical activity. Yeah. So whenever I see your Insta post, I'm like, oh, I wish I could be like <laughs> You remind me of how I was 10 years ago, and I'm like, I can, I can do it again. And then, I, and then I sit down and turn over the TV. Well, but that's so easy, isn't it? See, 10 years ago, I wasn't like it at all. Yeah. I discovered it as, I discovered running predominantly as a tool to try and help myself calm down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the gyms just come on top of that and then, yeah. so at, time, at peak stress level times I can be at the gym sort of two or three times a day which isn't healthy either what? yeah I know yeah. how do you well, first of all you, you wake up at the crack of dawn so you can fit yeah. in a session before work yeah. how do you fit in another two sessions a day? Um, so I would go I get as I said I get up at five go mm. to one before work then I'll try and squeeze in like a little run or something on lunch and then I go to the, I do a class after work you must um, sleep really well, well. Yeah, well, I'm like, oh, I'm in bed for like half eight. Yeah. <laughs> Got no life. <laughs> See, I don't think this is the right way of dealing with it either. It's just it's something that helps me. Yeah. I do have this, I do have ever such a slightly obsessive personality. Yeah. So at the moment, I'm obsessed with the gym. Yeah. But in the past, it's been poor pie. So this is probably slightly <laughs> marginally healthier than that. And if you don't mind me asking, when, when you are experiencing anxiety, what, what's the extreme? How bad can it be? So there have been times in in a in a in a previous job, I was on the train down to London for a meeting, and I just started to cry mm. and hyperventilate, mm. and I just at the prospect of a call that I had with my boss when I got there, and I just couldn't do. It. I got to work and I could not walk in the building. I just mm. couldn't do it. I ended up sitting in the field, dialing into this call, crying. Yeah, um, and that's when. I mean that's a fairly good indication that things have gone too far. Yeah. So in the past it has been it has been quite dramatic. Yeah. Um, in my pre in my last job, my boss was really really good. I told him I was really open with him about it mm-hmm. um, from the outset really, and he was really he was really really good at making sure that he recognised the signs mm-hmm. and that I felt comfortable to, um, talking to him about the sign uh, about when I started feeling them. Um, so that really helped. Um, now I find just surrounding myself with people who understand yeah. is, is, is best. Like and do you find that you're, when you're able to feel open and honest and be your authentic self and say, this is a side of me that I sometimes need support with, mm. say when you enter this new job, does that help alleviate some of the triggers that you've had previously? Yes, I think it does, but I think it's still a really difficult conversation to have. Yeah. Um, and maybe especially as a woman, because we have this sort of emotional tag and going into an interview or a first day saying, by the way, you need to know this about me. Yeah. Is a, is, it can be daunting. Yeah. And, and, and you can also, it's not going to help your anxiety because you may then think they're going to think X, Y, Z, and then it can lead down a path that you don't want to go yeah. to. Yeah. I don't want people I work with to be looking for signs that I'm going to be breathing into a brown paper bag on a train at nine o'clock in the morning. Mm. That, that, isn't, that, that isn't helpful for anybody. Mm. Um, 
But equally, I think it's really important to talk about it because when, when I was younger, no one did. Mental health just wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, and you certainly wouldn't talk about it in the workplace. No, or if you not did. if you wanted to progress. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel a real responsibility to talk about it now to my bosses, but also to my team, just trying to create that um, that environment where people feel safe. Yeah. Do you tend to think about your where you are on a mental health score between one and ten on a daily basis anyway? Or was this question something like, oh, I don't really ever think about this? That, the second, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't score myself generally. Yeah. Um, but actually, I really like the idea of doing that. Yeah. So it might be something that I think about doing in the future because that's a much more tangible way of, at the moment, I sort of go off feel and say, and sort of try and catch it and think, oh, I can feel it's getting worse or better. Mm. But keeping some sort of more formal track of it, anything I can put in a spreadsheet, I'm, I'm over the moon with anyway. So, uh, yeah, thanks for that. It needs to be in a spreadsheet or it needs to be your mental notes or whatever. Too late. Yeah, that's Too late. going to support you. I'm, I'm already conditionally formatting in my brain. <laughs> so, thanks for being really open and honest about, you know, in terms of mental well being and, and assessing that and just, you know, in terms of anxiety, it how much it can affect you in terms of being in the workplace but also progressing and being a woman and wanting to do well I think that that's something that I know I personally can identify with in our audience as well um could you share with us your career journey and how you've arrived to where you are with um Greensill today yes of course yeah I'll, I'll try and keep it quick it's quite a depressingly <laughs> long career these days um yeah so I um dropped out of uni after about six weeks or oh, what were you studying oh god it was so boring um no offense to any accountants out there which includes pretty much every member of my family um but yeah I was doing a, a business studies yeah, and I don't know why because I didn't really want to do it. I think yeah. I just sort of found myself in a corner. Um, so I, I, within days, I knew that it, it wasn't, wasn't going to be for yeah. me. No. Um, so I dropped out really quickly. Yeah, um, and that day went home and um, started looking through the paper for jobs while I waited for the next year's sort of intake. At yeah. Uni. So did you know what you wanted to do at uni? Yeah, I wanted yeah. to do. Um, I wanted to do English. I always wanted to be a writer, really. Yeah. Um, so I thought I'd do that and sort of consider as a journalist. Yeah. Um, so I went back home and sort of thought I'll, I'll reapply, but in the meantime, I need to earn some money. I need to move out of my parents' home. Yeah. Um, and got a uh, sort of a temp job for three hours that night answering the telephone for a finance company. Oh wow. Um, so rang them. Did that, yeah. And three years later, I was still there. Um, so and I don't really think it Yeah, never happened. And yeah. I don't really know when I stopped thinking about it. It yeah. just got away from me. Yeah. Um, and it just stopped being something. And I think what you what you're earning money and you have. Yeah, I was going to say it was probably also like your third paycheck. You were like, this yeah, is actually this is quite great. Good. <laughs> yeah. Even though the money was not great. Yeah. Um, but the freedom it gave me was yeah. brilliant, and I got to move out, and um, and so it was. So yeah, I did. I, so I was there for a while, and for the first two and a half, three years, I was um, on the phones taking down um, applications for loans, mm. and that was it. I think I was on two pound forty-two an hour. Oh wow! Yeah, big money. So I went all the hours, yeah. every hour going. Um, I did that for a while, and then um, 
moved finance companies after a couple of years of that um, and moved into a more sort of front-facing role. So um, selling loans, collecting loans back, quite operational. Um, and was quite good at it, which which surprised me because I wouldn't have thought I'd be good at sales, which is fundamentally what it was, but I was, I was quite good at it. As a result of which, I got promoted to manager really, really quickly. Oh, so wow. by the time I was 21, I was running a something like a £5 million branch. Oh, wow. Absolute unmitigated disaster. That was <laughs> dreadful. I had no, I felt the pressure. So, I mean, I feel pressure now. Yeah. But as a kid, I just didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. I didn't know how to absorb it without passing it down to my team. Did you feel that you had the support network from those above? No, not at all. I was completely on my own. I was the I was the youngest branch manager in the well certainly in the region, possibly in the country at that time. They were all older than me, they were all men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't feel like I had any allies. I didn't feel like I had any friends in, in there that, that could really understand it. Um, it was really bad for me. I just I, I didn't handle the pressure well at all, and I, it was an awful person just shouting at my team. Really, mm. really I'm a dreadful manager. Mm. Um, and after about nine months of that, I got quite ill. Um, well, I mean, I got glandular fever, but I think yeah. I was so run down. Yeah, that it just absolutely it comes out. Yeah, oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, and I just stepped. I just made the decision that I wasn't going to go back, so I stepped back down. Yeah. Um, what did you get? Because I, I feel like you feel like that was a failure, but what did you take from that? So at the time, it was an absolute failure, really, mm. and it, it broke my heart a bit. Um, looking back, one of the things I'm best at, I think now, is identifying when something isn't working for me yeah. and, and when the time is right to walk away. So I've stepped down two or three times in my career, mm. whether it be from manager to assistant manager or um, head of department to, to senior manager level. Mm. I've done it, I think, two or three times. And every time when it's been when my health or mental health has been suffering or when the cultural fit of that organisation just wasn't right for, for either of us. Yeah. Uh, so that happened a few years ago where it was just, you know, this, is, this just isn't working. Yeah. You're not listening to me, I'm not listening to you, and, it, and it's been a year, yeah. it's time to call it quits. Yeah. So I've done that a few times over the years and, I'm, and I think that doing it that first time is what made it easier later in life to, yeah. to accept that sometimes quitting is a really positive thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I was there, I was at that company for um, a fair few years and then um, a job came up in their head office in, um, in Sunderland um, working in audit. Mm-hmm. And I've always been really nosy, and I've always loved telling people what to do. So I thought, well, I just and a spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this was this is utopia. Um, and luckily, I knew the um, the guy that ran that department was the person that hired me for the company back in the back in the day. So he yeah. already knew me. Yeah. So I got the job without really having the necessary experience to get the job. So I was I was really lucky. But because of that, I think I felt. I owed him. I owed him a lot. So I yeah. worked. Yeah. My behind off for years in that job, and absolutely loved it. So that's when I. That's when I changed sort of career focus from operations yeah. to compliance and risk. So saying that, the, the thing that's pricked my ear that I, I think is quite interesting is most women don't apply for jobs unless they meet every single point of the criteria. I must be one of the very few that looks at a job application, and I can be like, I. 50% of that I can do my shop, 25% I can do fairly well or have an idea of, the other 25% I'm pretty sure I can be taught that. Did you, do you have that, is that genuinely how you look at things or was it just that was an opportunity and you know you flourished within that or generally yeah. do you like to kind of 
go for the challenge for, for the next step. So the point I'm at now in my career, I just think, sod it. I've never once had a job where the, where the um, role specification said I didn't need a degree. Mm. Never once. Mm. And it's never once impeded my ability to get that job yeah. or to do that job. Yeah. So I just don't, I don't subscribe to that anymore. But at that age, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The, only, the only reason I applied for that job that I wasn't qualified for was because I knew the hiring manager. I would yeah. never have had the courage to do it otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, that's a big part of what I what I'm about now as a person is yeah. you have to be conscious of the differences in people. Yeah. And just because I now have that have the approach thinking, no, I'm gonna if I if I genuinely think I can do that job, yeah. I'm gonna go. But well, your whole career experience is that though. So it's interesting yeah. that you're saying now I feel confident to do that. Mm. You've you've done it. Yeah. Yeah. You've done it for the yeah. last twenty five years. Mm. But maybe you didn't recognise that as a strength or a positive at the time and now yeah. at this stage you're a little bit like I can 100% do that. Do you know what? That's a really good point, actually. Because when I think about when I left that company, when I left the bank and and moved, um, so I got made redundant. I would have been there forever. Yeah. But I got made redundant because they were closing the site up in Sunderland. And I got offered, and I got this job. I'd only ever been in audit at that point. And I just basically blanket. I was terrified. And yeah. I thought I was going to be at City forever. Yeah. And I was absolutely terrified of being unemployed. Um, even with a wedge of redundancy behind me. Yeah. I had a spreadsheet that showed how, that showed how long it was going to last and I just yeah. thought I can't do this. So I applied for literally everything and got offered a job in compliance, which is a, a different discipline to audit, which I had no experience in. Mm. And I got I got that job. Um, so I applied out of panic. The reason I got it was it turned out the hiring manager there had known somebody who had the same job as me in the bank yeah. and he knew how tough it was. Yeah. And he said... If you can handle that, you can handle this place. Yeah. So he gave me a job without this. This is, this is so interesting because, you know, d- definitely in today's day and age, a lot of us are going to be living longer. We know that there's going to be four generations in the workplace and people tend to change careers. You've been doing this for years. Mm. You've been showing that, you know, a, a certain skill set can allow you to change sectors, roles, yeah. what you're doing. The fact that most jobs are saying that you need to have a degree every single job you've applied for yeah. and you haven't and you've done a fantastic job within those roles it just really you're a prime example of why it is about the person and yeah. this and a the determin- to the, the determination they have and yeah. the passion that they have and drive yeah. and also about having people those above you supporting and championing you yeah so that, and that's how i recruit now uh, now especially now that i'm out of the constraints of a really I mean, Greensill's a big organisation, but my element of it is really small. I hire, I hire people. Yeah. I don't. I, if I will never put a role profile out that says you need these qualifications. I'm, I'm completely, probably to my detriment, <laughs> on feel. I just think, do I want to sit next to this person? Yeah. And has this person got the skill set, but the the attributes that I want, the personality that I want, the enthusiasm that I want. Mm-hmm. The only issue with that, though, is that I found that I do, I guess everyone does, we tend to recruit in our own image. So I was going to say, how good are you? Are you at recruiting someone that may challenge or have a complete opposite thought process to you to give you that diverse mix? Better now. Yeah. But not, and you know, I had a bit of an epiphany about 
a couple of years ago because I've always I'm always banging on about diversity and inclusion I've always championed it um, especially with women in the workplace always championed it um, and then I was put on a programme at my last place my, uh, my last company um, a women in leadership programme which was amazing and I got given a mentor um, and he pointed out that actually what what I've been doing is recruiting people with the same skills as me. The things that I like in people are um, good time management, good organisational skills, ability to churn through work. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously conditional formatting. Um, that, that's what I've prized in people, so that's what I've recruited. And what that's given me is a one-dimensional team. Because mm. I'm, I'm great at my job, mm. but I need, I'm, I'm not particularly creative in my thought process. For example, mm. I'm quite, if I see a problem, I'm quite linear. I go, mm. A to B, that's what we're doing. Mm. I now make a conscious effort to try and find people that are more creative in their approaches and therefore maybe come from different backgrounds. Yeah. Because I know that's, I know that I don't have that. Um, but it took somebody saying it to me in an environment where I could listen properly. So yeah. Oh, that's true. So let's touch on that. So you've had you've experienced being mentored, and it sounded like it was a a, a male that was mentoring you. Yeah. How did you find that process of having a guy um, kind of working with you to kind of I don't know, yeah, guide you forward? What, what's your how was your experience? So I have to say, initially when I got put on the program, I was told I'd get a mentor, and then I was told it was a man. I was a bit aggrieved because I just thought, oh, I already know how this this is ignorance completely yeah. I only know how men feel like well, I want to talk to a woman who's been successful and experienced things I've experienced but A I got really lucky because he was the most amazing mentor mm. but B it was really interesting to see a, a man's approach to a woman being really honest about these things mm-hmm. because I've never really had that with, with uh, male colleagues in the past I've never really felt like I can um, really talk about the um inequalities that I've seen and that I've yeah. experienced because you just feel like you're moaning or you're being negative and I never want to bring a problem. I always try and look to solve it. But Connor was amazing and um, he was so his viewpoint was really interesting. But he was also really open with me. So when I talked about um, how anxious I can get before certain meetings, he told he told me that he was the same. Now this is the most self-assured, self-confident man, mm. what, persona I've yeah. ever seen. But he, his ability to open up with me as well made it a really, really positive experience. So him showing his vulnerability yeah. helps to solidify that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure it would have worked otherwise. Yeah. It's really difficult to be honest with someone if you don't think they're being honest with you. But that, that whole programme was, re- was a real turning point for me, actually, because I think there were 10 of us that got put on it. Um, through um, Provident, who I was working for at the time. And the first session was all about getting to know each other so that we had this, I call it the, the circle of trust. Yeah. Um, where we can say whatever we want and, and just be completely honest. And we all had to give our um, professional biographies. Yeah. Um, and I made the decision when I was when I was writing mine just to just to be brutally honest. Okay. Um, and I went first. And by the end, I mean, I cried three times. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ludicrous. Yeah. Other people cried, and then they did it. everyone sort of tore up theirs and did their own on the same basis. By the end of it, I've made friends in that group that I'll be that I'll be friends yeah. with for a really long time. This this just screams about the benefits of being vulnerable and yeah. authentic and doing like being your host self and being present in the moment because 
I can imagine from from what you how you've described yourself about you know being very organised and having this piece written out and you know it would have been a, a, a massive step for you to be like I'm just gonna I'm literally gonna be open and honest about this I'm not quite sure how it's gonna be received but to see that it had that effect. Mm. That's beyond the circle of trust. Like you would have to be friends for life after yeah, the yeah. experience. Yeah, it was it was really uh, moving and really empowering. And I think what I learned from that group, I have this really unpleasant tendency to judge people really quickly. And maybe everyone does, but I think I'm particularly. What did you think of me when you first met me? Oh, uh, do you know what? I'm, I'm genuinely not to say it. I loved you. Oh, because and I, I, I just I'm. I'm you've got a really positive energy about you and I always respond well to that and the thing I respond well best to about people is authenticity yeah if I think anyone's trying to be something that they're not <laughs> it, it gets my back up straight yeah. away yeah. but again that's really judgmental because there'll be a reason why they're doing that yeah I'm just I'm, I'm just being I'm just being mean yeah but in that group there were people who I'd almost dismissed because they were so quiet and I felt like when I first met them, they didn't have anything to say, and they weren't yeah. going to make the most of the opportunity. Yeah, and it just turned out they are—they have had crippling doses of imposter syndrome, as do I. But whereas I overcome mine by being gobby and 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 putting on a front and saying, look, like saying to the world, come, like come yes. and help me. Yeah, they responded differently, and that was a real a, a, a real moment of self-reflection for me. So let's go back to, I don't know how, where did we get to in terms oh, of God, career plan? We're about Nothing five years in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll speak about 20 to go. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so after that, I basically got into compliance and risk. I uh, moved sectors a couple of times, um, um, in, always in banking and financial services, did a bit of legal services as well for a while. Mm. Um, and as I say, progressed quite well. I've, I've, I've never had a problem getting a job. I've never yeah. had a problem getting promoted really um, which is which has always been really I know that's not everyone's situation so I'm, I feel really grateful for that but because of that sometimes I've been promoted too quickly so yeah. that's why so I have as I say stepped down I left a job once when um, I just didn't have another job to go to which was terrifying yeah. for me but yeah. it was just I knew it was the right thing to do for me um, what happened with when that happened so you didn't have another job to go to you knew that wasn't the right position for you did you feel that did things change as soon as you left, or was it there was there a period of struggle? Is I'm asking out of interest because I did exactly the same thing last year, and within a day, unbelievably good opportunities came my way that I just don't think I'd have been open to had I stayed in that role. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I think I'm a bit sort of fatalistic like that. I believe that we all can impact our own journeys, but think if something good is going to happen to you then it's going to, then it's going to happen to you um, for me when I, when I resigned from there I mean I had a six month notice period uh, which, I, which I worked so I had plenty of time to find another job but I think but good things did start happening to me almost immediately mm. but I think that's because this huge weight of yeah. misery had been lifted off my shoulders yeah. I'd been in a really and bad and you were way. able to receive it yeah so I was open to opportunities and I was open to positivity Whereas five days earlier, I didn't want to believe that everything could be all right because it couldn't because I was in such I was in such a dark place. Um, so yeah, it was. I've never once regretted stepping down from an opportunity. And yeah. I know they're, they're really hard for. It's difficult to be 
uh, a head of a department. Mm. But that's a difficult for, thing for anybody to achieve, but especially especially a woman in a male-dominated world. And to, I, But I've never found that stepping back from that has been anything other than a positive for me. When, yeah. But. So then after that, what was the next step? So after there was, I went um, to another bank for 12 months. And that was what really taught me that banking isn't for me. <laughs> um, no offence to that particular institution, but um, I found in banking the roles are, are so, um, just, it's such an oil tanker of an organisation mm-hmm. that your role is necessarily quite small. Yeah. Um, and I like to have my fingers in a lot of pies. Yeah. So, know what's um, going on yeah. and be able to contribute and increase your skill set. Yeah. And yeah, and influence yeah. as well. And that was an audit role. Um, in an organisation where um, third line or audit, as we call it, um, it, as it's called, is had a real challenge on their hands, mm-hmm. and it was just it, within within a few months of being there, I knew it wasn't for me. I knew that, that I would get frustrated really quickly. But I did have the best female manager that mm-hmm. I've ever had there, mm-hmm. um, and she. So I'm so glad I went. Mm. because I had 12 months of working for a woman who was everything I wanted to be when I grew up. But she yeah. was so calm under pressure and yeah. so balanced. So really forth. strong, positive role model. Yeah, absolutely. And probably the first really strong female role model I've had yeah. at work. Um, so I was there for a year and then it just it, that just wasn't for me. And there was, there was nothing wrong with the job. It was just culturally that it wasn't mm. the right step for me. Um, and then I went to Providence. Providence was my last job. I was there for sort of three and a half years, I think. Yeah. Um, and that was again great for me. So I'd, um, I got promoted a couple of times, took on um, a different world of responsibility, moved mm-hmm. back into risk as opposed to compliance. Um, again, had a really supportive boss. Um, and so really enjoyed my time there. But I just got to a stage after, I think after two or three years, I'm one of these people where just, if I don't have it's something challenging in my yeah. role, then I, then I move on. And um, at Provident, they were in a position where my department was set up. I couldn't get it any better without more money or more people or um, more resource. And so I just, I got to a point where I just thought, this is, this is giving me the adrenaline um, yeah. that I need. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then um, I got um, in touch with Greensill. So for people that our audience that don't know, can you tell us a bit about what Greensill does? Yeah, of course. I think it's really positive. It is, it's really cool. So, well, Greensill, um, the core business, is a supply chain finance company. So it's really dull, it'll be really quick. But um, <laughs> it basically, where, um, say for example, a smaller organisation has got people... Um, who owe their money for on invoices mm. and they, they're on 90 day payment terms so you've got a small to medium sized company waiting for money that they've earned for 90 days well that can be really really challenging for those organisations sort of logistically and operationally and financially so Greensill basically provide finance for that area so they will say to people we'll give you the money now and you pay so you can pay you. your people and your, yeah. your suppliers and yeah. you can continue to trade without having yeah. that and massive cloud. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's the Greensill core business. And that's been around for a few years. It's hugely successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, they are launching, or we are now launching, the consumer product, which is really cool. So it's basically the same thing, um, but for um, employees. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, the thinking behind it is, it's basically free 
wage day advances. Mm-hmm. So I get paid monthly. Um, I get paid on the twenty fifth of every month, but on the fifteenth of the month, the example we always use uh, is my washing machine breaks. Yeah, and I've got I've got, I haven't got the savings to cover it. What do I do? Yeah, but at the moment my options are. For a lot of people, for someone like me, I can go to my bank, I can put it on yeah. a credit card and I can pay it off quite quickly. Yeah. For people with less, yeah. they have far fewer options and really their options are high cost short term credit, payday lending or something worse. Um, so this is a challenge for that. Um, we launch um, with the NHS, mm-hmm. so it's, the product is, is designed for workers in the NHS in the first instance. And, and Is it at any level? Is there a... a, a any type it will be open to all NHS employees so um, in our heads we're thinking you hear so many stories about nurses using food banks Mm -hmm. and it's just I mean you could just cry thinking about it this is designed to help people at the lower end of the earning spectrum to balance their finances without paying huge amounts of interest Um, so it's really it's really cool so we don't charge um, the employee anything at all and Mm -hmm. we don't charge the NHS anything completely free um, and it's something we're doing how many employees does the NHS have well we're looking at launching with with one trust to start with and they yeah. have 12,000 but across the country I mean it's 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 I think it's the largest it's going, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so it's I mean it's it's crazy numbers um, but their proportion of employees at the lower end of the wage scale is high yeah so they know they have a lot of people who are waiting for payday yeah or failing to wait for payday and having to borrow so the idea of, of what we're doing mm-hmm. um is it's for believing in that financial stress because if you're coming into work every day and you're thinking you know i've got a family and i can't afford to wash their clothes or the cooker's not working or the fridge isn't working that's a stress and, and people may not feel able to explain what that stress yeah. is which then makes their anxiety and stress worse yeah um so being able to have that facility there means a lot to people that that, that really feel that they don't have any other op- option yeah I think that's and that's the goal that's the plan it's but it's really i mean don't get me wrong we're a business we, yeah they they, they they're in money to make money or whatever yeah. the saying is. But this arm of the business is is not fee charging. Yeah. Certainly, certainly not in the in the public sector. Yeah. The idea is philanthropic. The idea yeah. is we you people, you you men and women who work for the NHS, who give, give so, yeah. so much for so little, yeah. we we we're giving you a little support, support. A tiny yeah. little something back. Yeah. Just um, if it's one less thing. To be on your mind, yeah, you know exactly, and we've all been there. And yeah. I'm, I'm in a really privileged position, luckily at the, mo- at the moment. Well, Dave does it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, but so I don't, I don't have those particular concerns at the yeah. moment. But there's definitely been times in my life where you're standing at the cash point and you yeah. think, I don't, I don't know if I'm getting any work. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I've, I've had to. As again, this screams of privilege, but having to ring your mum as a sort of yeah. twenty-eight-year-old and going, "Mum, yeah, my bank card's been charged, I can't get yeah. home." Yeah, it's, it's, I know that feeling. I know yeah. that fear and that dread. And if we can do anything to try and um, alleviate that for people that have got enough stresses in their lives already, 
Um, then that was a massive draw for Greensill for me. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I joined there at the beginning of the year. We joined there in January. So are they just a UK-based company? Or no, we are. Um, originally, yes, the, we were, were launching in the UK, but we've actually just bought a company in Australia, mm-hmm. um, a company called Earn, to do uh, do the same thing. So uh, we're looking at we're looking at multiple jurisdictions, really. Yeah. Um, which is really exciting. Really this exciting. Is, this isn't a UK problem. Yeah. Um, people in financial difficulties, people with financial and emotional vulnerabilities, because it's not just, I've got no money, so I'm vulnerable. People with emotional or mental health issues or physical health issues tend to have more financial problems as well mm-hmm. as a result of their conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, a, that's a global issue. So the, the idea is, is um, world domination, I think. <laughs> it's fantastic. It, yeah. it sounds like it's, for me, it, when I heard what, what you guys are doing, I just thought this is amazing mm-hmm. that there is that support there. Um, and with it being from the NHS, my, my grandmother was a nurse, mm-hmm. so I'm 100% in awe of what anyone um, does yeah. in, in that in that organisation. But, you know, we don't only have to watch the news to see how much they're cuts are going on yeah. and, and stuff like that so to hear that there's organisations that yes you're a profit making business mm. but there is you you also are doing you know something that's going to help society yeah. is, is, a, is a positive reason to get up in the morning yeah absolutely <laughs> and it's really inspiring so um, I'm actually based up in the north but um, the the hub of this business of the consumer business is in Shoreditch mm-hmm. in London um, so I'm spending a lot of time there, and honestly, every time I go there, it's like it's like having twenty coffees. The adrenaline in that area, because I've never worked anywhere where it's a group of such like-minded people pulling together mm. for one cause. It's the closest I've come to working in the charitable sector, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody in the back of everyone's mind all the time is the people that we're trying to help and how we're trying to help them. Yeah, and that's it's selfishly. Yeah, that's a really lovely feeling. Yeah, no, it, it's. I mean, I, that's exactly how I feel about my role. Um, it's nice to wake up every day and feel a that you're enjoying your job, but there's there is a positive end result mm. constantly. Um, so let's move on to thinking about the. You, you've touched a lot about the challenges that you faced as a woman. Let's look at over your career. I, I feel like one of the common themes coming out is imposter syndrome. Yeah. How have you? try to alleviate moving away f- from feeling like that, yeah. especially as your career's progressed. I mean, you're chief risk officer at a, a, a tech company now, yeah. which is fantastic. Do you now feel like, you know what, I, I've earned my stripes, I deserve to be here, or does it sometimes still come creeping in? Yeah, oh no, definitely, definitely. I, I don't think I'll ever feel like that. Yeah. I would love to, and it's definitely better. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't think I'll ever sit here and say I. I, I can say it. I can say on, honestly. When you put it on paper, I absolutely deserve my job. I have. I've worked really hard. I've mm. taken every opportunity, and I'm good at my job. But I still, every meeting I go into, especially in a new industry and in, yeah. in a new company, yeah. every meeting I go into and people talk in acronyms and in this yeah. language I just don't understand, and that goes straight to it. Like what? Why? I I don't know what they're talking about. I don't have the confidence to tell them that I don't know what they're talking about. So instead, I sit there like slowly melting into this like pile of like jelly in the corner. <laughs> or oh, that's how it. That's how it feels. Yeah. Um, 
but ultimately I have been working for a really long time if I were really rubbish at my job I would have been found out by so just longevity is helpful. Yeah. Also, my um, my younger sister basically does the same job as me. Yeah. Um, and she has exactly the same issues as me. Okay. So it's re- so it's really and I've and I've got a couple of friends with exactly the same. I don't, I don't mean like that. Again, it's just a recruiting of the same. Your social circle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are all mini cafes? Yeah. Oh God, no, the world does not need that. That'd be awful. Um, no, I, th- I think surround. I didn't know. I didn't know what imposter syndrome was. Yeah, ten years ago, I'd never heard no, of it. Yeah. I just thought I didn't even think about lacking self confidence. I just thought that's how how I was. And then you it got given a sort of a label. Then we started talking about it a bit more, especially women. Although I think every I don't, I don't know many people that mm-hmm. doesn't that, that don't suffer with some degree of it. Yeah, I absolutely include men in that. Um, so when it, when we started talking about it more, that's when I realised this isn't this isn't me. This is a, a, a big proportion of yeah. people, and it's completely normal. And I think like with I have a lot of with myself, yeah, because there is I suppose the difference now is there is a there is a layer of me that knows I'm being ridiculous, yeah, um, and then if that doesn't work, I can talk to the people that I know will tell me yeah. that I'm being ridiculous and yeah. whose judgment I believe. Um, so I, th- I think that I think that's really helpful. Helpful. Mm-hmm. What when you think about the challenges you face, what else really sticks out in your mind, and how did you overcome them? Um, I think. Because oh, really it sounds like the industries that you've worked in has been really male dominated. Yeah, very much so. Um, and you've highlighted that one of the key roles you had, even though the actual cultural fit wasn't right the job having a female um, leader mm. that was inspirational really helped you. Yeah. So how have you found having a career where you don't necessarily have yeah. those to look up to, someone who looks like you in the, the next position? Yeah. How's that worked? I, I think that's been really hard actually, that has been. So I think it was, so when I was at my first company where I was there for um, 12 years off and on, um, and from being a kid, um, <laughs> through I um I didn't know there weren't female managers there certainly weren't female area managers so our managers meetings would be held at the golf course and I was the only one that didn't play so I would be walking up and down with with drinks as they played really um and the did that feel a lot to you at the time or just no no yeah. this is my frustration I look yeah. back and think who is that person yeah because I just did it yeah. Because they were just like, well, you don't play, so it, it wasn't yeah. because it, you're a girl, yeah. so go and do it. Yeah, it just, it's I don't golf, so I wasn't yeah. doing it. So I was like tripping across the golf course, like across 18 holes in me in my heels, which went down really well. Um, so there was that, but then after the managers' meetings, there'd be a social, and the number of times those socials were at strip clubs. <gasps> I mean, this is a while ago, this is no, 20, no, no, 20 yeah, years ago. Still, like, and again, I went. Yeah. And you just think, and then I've got, I've got no issue with well, it. Was, even, even if, if you had not gone, it still probably would have gone ahead. So oh, yeah, they wouldn't have. If I'd said I'd go in, they would have gone, okay, yeah. then see you later, let's get my bus home. Yeah. 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 Um, that, that wouldn't have stopped it at all. But I think because because I was young and impressionable and ambitious and just didn't want to kick up, I wanted to fit in, I wanted to be yeah. one of the lads because yeah. I knew that was, I think subconsciously, I knew that was the past success. Yes, yeah. completely. So I just didn't question anything. 
And I think because I was the only woman and there was nobody in the in on my level or no, above me, I just it just it didn't almost didn't occur to me until mm. years later. I always said that my um I've you know, you know, so I love Jamila Jamil. I love yeah. Jamila Jamil. And she talks right. about being a bad feminist all the time. Yeah. And she talks about how 10 years ago she was a bad feminist. Mm. And she's on a journey and she's learning. And that's how I feel. So there have been a couple of people in my life, my elder sister and one of my good friends, Claire, who have been so instrumental in, in turning a light on for me on this and, and making me see things that I just hadn't seen before. Yeah. And once you see them, you can't unsee them. So now it's almost a curse. Everywhere I go, I see inequality, <laughs> and then like just angry all but the time. I think also, you know, twenty years ago, we just didn't talk about those sort of things. It mm. was just, it was very much about, you know, I want to be successful. I am ambitious. This is how. This is the. This is the only route there is to doing that. Yeah. It, there wasn't allies necessarily male or female no. around you. So it's it's kind of like survival of the fittest. Yeah, and the women that did get on back then were women who either had or pretended to have air quotes male characteristics mm-hmm. so women who were were louder or um i want to say aggressive but yeah, yeah yeah that sort of thing just like really forthright in their views yeah they tend to do okay but the women who were slightly quieter and actually bring the sort of diversity to a group that is what you want from from in this case women there's no point hiring women and saying oh, we've got a 50 50 split if they're all so the same, all the same, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was, I had very little support back then, and it took me years and years and years to understand that what what was going on wasn't right. Mm. But if I, I genuinely think if I turned around at the time and called them on it, I think I probably would have not. I wouldn't have been out, but I think I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been promoted. It really? would not. Yeah, it would yeah. Have absolutely impacted my career. Yeah. Um, but I do think times have moved on so much since then. Like we're just, well, God, I hope so. We're not. Yeah. If any, if anybody was going to a strip club after a golf <laughs> away day, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd have, you'd have something. Unless to everybody wanted to go. Unless everyone golfs. Yeah. <laughs> I <have one laughs> strip clubs. <laughs> um, you've in my intro, I, I, I talked about how important it is for you to throw the ladder back down to women, um, and about being passionate about supporting others. Why is this, and I think, I think we've touched on this openly, why is this important to you? It's yeah, I, so I think because I've seen it done so badly. Yeah. And I feel a real sense of obligation being a, see, even now I feel uncomfortable saying a successful woman, that's really ridiculous. <laughs> I can but, see the hesitation. Yeah, and I was no, about to say it. Drive myself crazy. But okay, but being a successful woman, I feel like it's been hard for getting there. And I think in the past, people have got there and thought, well, it's been hard for me, and that's made me who I am today, a school of hard knocks and all of that absolute gibberish. Um, and thought, so it's almost like it's a... Right of passage. Exactly that, exactly yeah. that. Whereas I want to take the other approach and say, it was hard for me, it shouldn't have been that hard for me. What, what can I what can I do yeah. to help other people? Because if somebody had had that for me, I would have had a really different different experience yeah. and it might well have saved me a couple of times crying Tough on times. Yeah. yeah yeah no exactly and I think experience is definitely a positive I've had I feel that even with my failures or dark times or challenging times it's made me who I am today that mm. old cliche 
it doesn't necessarily mean that I want my daughter to have to experience the same things. Yeah, exactly. But equally, I'm not saying give her the world. There has to be an element of drive and yeah. you know passion and ambition. But I, I, I do feel that if you can help someone avoid some of the negativity and barriers faced like through my career, your career, a hundred percent we should do that. There is nothing wrong with empowering and supporting each other. And I, I feel like women and men, I feel like the, in, in the conversation of creating inclusivity, we have to be supporting everybody to be themselves and do their best. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not, I think what I've become aware of over the last probably couple of years is that it's really easy to be, you find this with, with feminists and a, a lot of other um, groups of people, we, we can be quite judgmental. Mm-hmm. So like you're, you're not you're not doing feminism right mm-hmm. but actually we it's really important to look inside as well i absolutely have unconscious bias we all do but but trying to get just trying to be aware of that and, and make decisions based on that mm-hmm. and that's what i want to change most is that i don't care if an ally is male or female or anywhere on the on the on the gender spectrum mm-hmm. i couldn't give them one kiss all i want is someone who is open to the fact that they they might be displaying bias without knowing they're doing it yeah so for me you gave the perfect example in terms of working with connor your mentor not realizing that when you were recruiting mm-hmm. you were recruiting yeah you <laughs> and i think well yeah and i think recruitment is so key mm-hmm. so in my in my career as i said i haven't really struggled in the recruitment process um or in the um or, or for promotion and I haven't seen I, I've definitely seen examples where women have been overlooked or women have been treated differently but I don't think I've seen any out and out maybe because I'm a woman uh, and they wouldn't have the conversation in front of me I don't think I've seen any instances of I'm not giving that job to that person because they're a woman mm. but what I also don't see especially from have you ever heard anything like I don't know if we're going to consider that person because she has childcare commitments so I've heard things like oh, well, she'll probably be going on maternity leave soon, so maybe we put that one on the back burner. Did you challenge that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This thing, so it was, and to be fair, this was this was one of my bosses who was really, really good in that said to, um, he said something like, well, she'll probably go on maternity leave soon because um, her sister had two children really close together. And, and I just said, would, okay, cards on the table, yeah. would you have said that if you were talking about a man? Yeah. And he was just, absolutely not. Yeah. You're quite right. Yeah, but, but and, and that's what I want. What's the weird association? I thought you was going to say because she's such and such age, mm. not because her sister. Had but these are the sort of assumptions that people are making yeah. at the time, I think. But just just articulating them. Yeah. So for me, I think one of the thing, one of the key things I would do, or I want to do, is recruit differently because it's all right saying the number of companies I work for, where I work for, they say I will give the right person the job. I don't care what their gender is. And that's amazing. And I think it's true. Mm. But if you're not getting the people in front of you because they don't dare apply for the, for the job because they don't think they've got all the, yeah. all the attributes, yeah. and that's a female characteristic, as mm-hmm. you talked about earlier, then you're not being in a position, you're, you're, not, you're not hiring the best candidate because you, they might not even be sat in front of you. Yeah. So that's what I want to introduce in, in any place I want to work. I want to look at the recruitment process and say, right, okay, how do we advertise? Where do we advertise? Mm-hmm. How do we interview? Who's on the interview panel? Who, what, um, what requirements we put in place around any shortlisting to say? I don't want to see a shortlist of candidates if it's all if it's all men. Mm. I, don't, I don't want to see it. Don't don't even come to me with that. Mm. You work hard. How do you? Because I always think when I hear that, I always think 
if they were if if they were free shortlisted and they were all men and they were the best for the job, that's what's the best for the job. Yeah. So how do you ensure that through that recruitment process you are doing what what would you do differently? Yeah, and I think that's it. So if the if the best three people are all men, then that's great. I've got no issue I've got no yeah. issue with it. Um, but how do I get the comfort that they are? Yeah. When we know that women aren't applying for the yeah. jobs that men are that men are applying for, or we know that we advertise, especially in tech, we advertise in social search circles. Yeah. It's very male dominated. They might yeah. even have visibility of it. So I think they're the sort of process I want to get closer to. So where, as I say, when I write a role profile, yeah. I want an expert in to tell me that that is that is as appealing to women as it is to men. There's nothing in there that would stop. Do you think you look at the language? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And things like the qualifications. Yeah. As I say, I, I don't have a degree. I would never, ever, ever have got past entry level mm. if I'd only applied for jobs which which didn't which didn't specify. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It would yeah. never have happened for me. Yeah. And for a lot of women, that's probably the case. And we know that. So, for example, competency-based interviews are all tell me a time when you were brilliant. We're not as good at selling ourselves. Yeah. Because because we are. Well, actually, this morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But and I've, I've and actually a little bit of humility goes a long way in the yeah. interview, but it has to be balanced out with telling the interviewer that you're brilliant. Yeah. And if men are better at telling interviewers that they're brilliant, show both. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And that's that's part of their and and that's that's great. I'm not saying saying they should be less like that. No. I think we should have the confidence to be to be more like that. Yeah. And to accept things about ourselves. So the things about us that make us not apply for jobs are conversely the things that would make us brilliant at jobs. So I hate being anxious, I hate my imposter syndrome, but they make me work so hard. Yeah. They they really do. I'm I'm so much more driven because of my secret belief that I've been getting I've been winging it for 25 years and sooner or later I'm gonna get caught. Because of that, I go into every meeting thinking, how can I show the people here that I have value? Yeah. And I don't think I would have that if if I weren't so worried all the time. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I'd like to be ten percent less worried. Yeah. Um, and I would take being ten percent less successful to yeah. uh, pay that price. But I think we start need to start looking at the positives of things that have always been associated with negative connotations. Yeah. Like emotion, emotion emotional women. Yeah. I see at work I see emotional men all the time. But it's it's anger. That's so true. Yeah. It's like you're you are showing me an emotion. Yeah. You're just not crying. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm crying at her, which is which can be embarrassing. Yeah. But you can just say, well, no, I'm I'm showing that I care about something. And if you for me, that's no worse than you banging the desk because you're because you're angry about. Yeah. Slamming down the all the time. Yeah. Stomping about, slamming doors. Yeah. And but but that somehow that's because of the assertion, whereas. Me getting a bit weepy because yeah. I'm angry probably yeah. is considered weakness. It's like the, my my biggest pet peeve description word that only ever gets flung at women and has been at me throughout my life is feisty. Oh, I thought we could say bossy. I get bossy a lot. Yeah, feisty. Yeah, yeah. never can be called feisty. feisty. Never ever. No. Never ever. If you have audience, please message me. Let me know. Yeah. But I've never ever heard a man being called feisty. Yeah. And I get described that and it's, as like it's supposed to be a positive. It's not a positive. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's a really good point. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. I, I think that we're bossy all the time. When yeah. when my when my niece, she's eleven, and she's a spirited yeah little nightmare most yeah. of the time. She's got so much about her, and when I hear her getting called bossy. 
I want, on, I want, you, I want to do a bad thing. Yeah. Because you just think, you would never say that. You yeah. would never say that to a little boy. What she's yeah. doing is showing leadership. Yeah. Embrace that. And gobbing off and being yeah. annoying. No, like, the two yeah. aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah. But what she's doing is being assertive. Assertive, yeah. 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 Um, looking at the tech industry, a, a new sector for you, yeah. how do you think, how do you think we can look at changing how the disproportionate uh, representation of women in, in the sector. So we've talked about recruitment, but then let's think about retention. So we get more women through doors, yeah. we get them shortlisted, they get into, in, into more positions. What do you think would need to happen to improve the retention of women? So where I work at the moment, actually, we've got a really good balance. And I think in the fintech startups, yeah. I think it's a lot easier to do that mm -hmm. because you're starting a culture from scratch. Mm -hmm. If you work in a bank, that culture of male domination is ingrained. It's so ingrained. Yeah. And I don't, as I say, I don't, I've come across, I can count on the fingers of one hand the number of out and out sexist pigs that I've worked with over, the, over, over a long career. It's, 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 that's not the problem. The problem is, is that it's so ingrained in the culture. Mm -hmm. And if I'm recruiting in my image, why am I thinking that men are any different? So yeah. they, and they're recruiting from their own circle. Yeah. So, but if if but in, in startups, you don't have any of that baggage. Mm -hmm. So what the my element of Greensill is is a fintech startup, and they've just um, and because it's based in Shoreditch, I think that has a huge something to do with this. So they're getting the right applicants in, and when they're in, the culture is so new, mm -hmm. and they really think about it. So before they hired anybody. The founders say, what do we want our culture to be? What yeah. is our ethos above all things? And that, and I think women especially respond really well to that. Yeah. Giving them channels, making it obvious to them that progression is possible for them mm -hmm. and showing them that there are people in the roles above them. That, that, so when, when I started working in finance, if I looked up, there was no one like me there. Mm. No one like me there. And so you think it's impossible. Um, so showing women in organisations that it's not only possible, it's the norm, mm -hmm. would be huge in retaining them, I think. Because it's not tech that puts women off, it's the fact, well, um, this is just my opinion, obviously. Yeah, your experience. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not the job that women don't want to do, it's yeah. the fact that we've been, we've been told for generations that we're not scientists, we're not, we're not doctors, yeah. and we're not... Or should we work in STEM at all? Like, yeah. 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 So, and we're, we're fighting that culture. So when you find an organisation which very clearly demonstrates that, that, that that's not the ethos, mm. and I think, I think that's hugely valuable. So I think it's much easier for startups. For existing companies, I think it's much harder. Ultimately, you have to bite the bullet, get women in at a senior level. Um, and people of colour and LGBTQ plus, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not just being specific with women here. I'm saying yeah. you need to look at your senior management group and say, how inclusive are we? How so? My um, previous company was um, in West Yorkshire. Yeah. So really, really diverse um, part of the world. Yeah. And yet we really struggled for people of colour at um, senior levels. Yeah. There's a reason for that, and I'm not saying the reason is racism. Yeah. I'm saying something is stopping people applying for jobs or feeling like they could do the, do those jobs or being successful in getting those jobs. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I think for me, it's all about culture and having a really demonstrable culture. When somebody comes to you with a concern that says, I didn't feel included here, mm-hmm. I, I, this is making me feel this way, that, that we are open to having those conversations and showing that we're going to do something about them. Because so often the whole whistleblowing thing is just swept under the rug. Yeah. We didn't, it was all anecdotal, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and I think sometimes people are uncomfortable having certain conversations or raising certain conversations, mm-hmm. sometimes even submitting that there is an issue. Yeah. So, as you acknowledge, there is something, like, what is that? Yeah. You know, data can help you identify that having the opportunity to be open and honest um but cultural fit definitely seems to be a thing that is important to you yeah how would you describe the cultural fit of where you are now oh so they it's unlike anywhere i've ever i've ever worked before so they have they're not big on rules which is weird which so it's weird that i like it yeah i was gonna say how do you how do you kind of that they don't even like excel genuinely (laughs) don't so it's been problematic. Yeah. Um, but they're being inclusive because they're letting you come in. Yeah, yeah, they're quite yeah. important, so they're, yeah. they're doing all right. Um, so I look around the leadership team um, in my part of Greensill, mm-hmm. and we have a level of diversity that I haven't, seen, I haven't seen before. And I think that's probably why the culture is so strong, mm-hmm. because the founders come from different um, backgrounds mm-hmm. um, and are different genders as well. So from the outset, the decisions were being made by a mixed group. Yeah. Um, so their culture is really simple. They they only, they only literally only have one rule, and that Come is to work. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> show up. Not even that. Not even that. Is do the right thing. Okay. In every part of your life, in every situation you're in, do the right thing. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's their only mantra. Yeah. Um, and I think that speaks volumes for the culture. Yeah. Because they trust you. They trust you to make that decision. The green civil um, value value is act like an owner mm. and they really do embody that as well so they, they give you the autonomy to make decisions mm. uh, as long as you're doing the right thing um, so f- yeah for me the culture there is really positive I mean I'm two months in it could be hideous <laughs> we'll talk about <laughs> so it yeah so far so good <laughs> you currently volunteer some of your free time as a mentor what drove you into mentoring so I think partly was the really positive experience I had with Connor mm-hmm. um, and I'd never had that before. I'd never had somebody who was so good at asking me questions that I probably should have been asking myself and hadn't. Um, so I wanted to pass that some of that on. But also, I'm just I'm really aware of my privilege. Mm-hmm. And for all, I'm a woman. I'm a white middle class woman, mm. I went to private school, mm. my dad's a chartered accountant, I, I'm, there's, there's been no struggle. <laughs> um, so, and I'm aware that I, even with that, I found it hard. Yeah. Um, I found, even given opportunities, I found it hard to be yeah. successful. So how hard so how is it be with this yeah. barrier, yeah. another barrier, another yeah. barrier. So yeah. my education and my background and my colour have, um, enabled me to be in a position where I'm given opportunities mm. would what happens when you're not that person mm. and when you're not given those opportunities so not only do you have to make the most of them when you finally get hold of them you have to fight for them yourself so I'm really passionate about it and I think as well at the moment not just in this country but globally we're so polarized politically and especially on things like um, immigration so um, the migrant leader program that, um, that I volunteer for are all about people who have had 
challenges in their background, mm-hmm. who are um, migrants or refugees to this, in this country mm-hmm. who need a bit of help. Mm-hmm. And if I can, if I can give an hour a week to try and to try and do that, um, then I think then it's it's a no-brainer for me. Yeah. Um, so I think the thing with mentoring though is again you have to be. Re- so I've always thought steered away from it because I've always thought, what do I have to offer? It's that imposter syndrome yeah. again. Yeah. You have to just shut yourself up and say like, if people are willing to talk to you, then yeah. you've probably got something worth saying. Yeah. And have you found? <clears throat> sorry. Have you found that in terms of the people that you've been mentoring, has there kind of been a bit of a reversal? Have they? left some type of impact on you or changed your look on a a particular thing yes uh, yeah definitely um and they they, well i think they've changed my view on on people because i I grew up in as i say in a really privileged environment where everybody was like me i i've never really seen suffering yeah certainly not in in this country um, and then when you realise just how hard some people's lives are from mm-hmm. such an early age, mm-hmm. you, you start to think, we talk about resilience a lot now, oh, God, I've, I've never seen such resilient people. Really? And I think that's that's what I find most inspiring about it. Is and humbling, I'm sure. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. You just you feel so hashtag blessed. <laughs> it's not like an Instagram. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you, you feel so lucky. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to... Don't get me wrong; it's temporary. Because then you go back into work, and somebody annoys you, and you're like, you're a ball of rage again. But it's really, it's, I find it really good for centering me back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just thinking that there's so much that we take for granted in terms of just being able to walk down the street and not be fearful of, as a woman, being attacked yeah. or violence, kidnapped, anything like that. We generally in the UK are safe. Yeah, um, we have utilities yeah. we, we don't have to worry about oh the, the power will probably be off or I won't have running water or yeah. I have to go so it's like just and that's that can be a daily because I, I can't imagine the pressure that that having that has yeah um and the, the things that we I can agonize over sometimes I'm like it's really Dana yeah, yeah I, t- I totally agree and that's the, that's what I find frustrating about myself stressing myself to ribbons about missing an arbitrary date that I set for myself that no one else gives two monkeys about yeah. you just think there are people in this world with genuine problems yeah. and like, so have a word with yourself yeah. it's very easy to lose proportionality yeah. so, speak, so again selfishly speaking to people who have gone through so much more who are really good at bringing you, bringing you back to zero yeah. like, how hard is yeah, it yeah. calm yourself down what one thing do you think women can do to positively change gender equality, particularly in a, 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 a male-dominated industry? So, I think we need to stop thinking that we can't be ourselves and be successful. So we need to, we need to, as hard as it is, stop conforming. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's brave and it's difficult. Um, but we need to, we need to have the courage to be us. If you're quiet, you add value. If you're mm-hmm. loud, you add value. Mm-hmm. If you're experienced, you add value. But if you're really experienced, mm-hmm. that in itself brings value with a fresh pair of eyes. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to be better at saying, it's okay that I'm me. I don't need to, 
I put them in these on my attributes. Yeah, I'm, I'm in that. It's a bit like dating, really. When I when I when I first met my husband, all of my friends said, really supportive, said, "Be yourself, but don't be fully yourself. Yeah. Let's try and like break him in gradually to it." And I was like, "I ain't got time for that. Yeah, yeah. He's in or he's out. You yeah. might as well know what he's getting. Yeah. What he's getting." I've got into. my spreadsheet, and this needs yes. to work out by yes. this amount of time. Show me the spreadsheet, and then he then he knew what he was in for straight away. But I think I think it's this, the same thing. You go into a company. I think it's really important that we that we have the confidence to be ourselves, but also to call it when we see it, and that can be really hard, especially in situations where people don't think they're saying anything wrong. And it's women as much as men. Like man up, honestly, I could kill and I could poke people in the eyes yeah. for saying man up or um, strap on a pair or whatever. Like let's just let's just start calling the language because it's really small things. Yeah. Right? But equally, it's pervasive. And when, when any stereotype or any language implies women are weak mm-hmm. and men are strong, I will always call that, always yeah. call it. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing how quickly they stop doing it. And it might just be in front of me, but yeah. even so, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take yeah. small victories. What, what role do you think men play in this? Um, so, as allies, I think they need to they like all of us need to understand that unconscious bias is real and that just not being sexist isn't enough mm-hmm. it's really really difficult to put yourself in a situation and show empathy for something that you've never experienced most of the men that I've worked with over my career walk into every boardroom and look at a room full of people that look like them and mm-hmm. talk like them and think like them they never felt what we feel mm. walking into those situations so it's hard to ask them to show empathy but if we if they can understand unconscious so one company that I worked for in the past and I won't name them I suggested unconscious bias training for the board and every single one of them said they didn't need it that, that they yeah. definitely didn't have unconscious bias yes. yeah. you just think really never yeah. has any anything ever shown me that you need it more <laughs> than, than that statement so I think that for me, I don't, I genuinely am a believer that the majority of people are good and the majority of people want to hire the right people, want to promote the right people, want the right people in their lives, but don't necessarily understand the context that goes around it because they, because they can't, yeah. because they can't empathise. If you could have a billboard of anything on it, what would it say and why? So I think it would probably be and this is so corporate, it would probably be the Green Seal Consumer motto, do the right thing. Yeah. When you said it earlier, I felt like that's a happy statement. Yeah. I just feel like it's something that really, yeah. that you would identify really like and resonates with you. Yeah. That's what, we, that's what I want to try to do. And oh, I get it, I, God, I get it wrong all the time. Yeah. And I'm me and I'm spiteful, I find myself being like, I've never seen you about it. Like, oh, yeah, oh. That's because all we had you back <laughs> That's that's what I want to try to do in yeah. any situation. What's the what's the best choice and how to take it? Yeah. Um, what were those closest to you? How would they describe your job? So, because my sister Jen, because she does it, I um, I think she could do, she could describe it really well. Yeah. I think my I think my husband would say, 
I, I mean, no, you described it. You described it well. Oh, does yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't think. I think if he he's paid me to say that. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> he's got. Yeah, he's getting now for it. <laughs> Um, I think if you were to ask my mum, mm. she said worked in office. I don't, I don't think I don't think many people could could, could describe. It. But it's a relatively new discipline, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I don't think many people yeah would even come close to it. I'd be like, she loves spreadsheets. She's just with the spreadsheets. Yeah. 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 So if you've got one thing from this from this <laughs> yeah. chat, do the right thing and a spreadsheet and always have a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. That's my billboard. What was I thinking? <laughs> Um, which film or book would you recommend and why? So I read um, Jess Phillips' book, mm-hmm. uh, Every Woman, um, a couple of years ago. So she's the MP for Yardley. Okay. Um, and she is a strong woman with an incredible background in helping women and yeah. not pulling the ladder up after her. Um, she's a real ally. She's had a difficult time. She's got really contentious opinions, which yeah. a lot I don't agree with. But I've got so much respect for any woman in politics. Yeah. Because the amount of abuse and poison yeah. that they get is is absolutely vile. And as somebody who I got quite involved in politics a couple of years ago, but just found it was such a negative place. Really? I can't. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't handle it. So I stepped back from it. So her book was really, really yeah. impressive. Yeah. Um, and just reminds you that it doesn't have to be the big things that you do just looking out for each other you, you see being an ally to other women and to other um, minorities or uh, disenfranchised groups yeah um, it's, it's so important and it doesn't need to be a big deal yeah small yeah small changes yeah, yeah. Um, what makes you feel inspired so I think the, <sighs> the courage of others I think so when I see friends or family members going through really hard times one of my good friends at the moment is just having a really really terrible time personally and is so resilient mm. and so strong but yet not afraid to show uh, emotions and her yeah. vulnerabilities that makes me want to be more like her you just think to to embrace both sides of your personality and find that balance i think that's incredible what's the most important thing you've learned in life um, do the right thing. Yeah, that's just, just my answer to all of them. I think for me, it comes back to imposter syndrome. If I genuinely wasn't good enough, somebody would have found me out by now. And I wish there was, if there was one thing I could go back and, and not tell my younger self, yeah. but make my younger self believe, yeah. it was that. You're good enough. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're all right. Yeah. Mm. You're doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. What's your one tip to make the world a better place? So for me, the, the and it's a really small thing, but it's something that I learned on a um, like a leadership seminar years and years ago. Um, because we have to do you know this work where you have to come up with your brand. And one of one of the things I wanted to be was balanced because I'm not particularly balanced. Mm-hmm. I'm quite I can be quite volatile emotionally, yeah. um, and I react to things quite strongly. So one of the things they taught me there was to take three seconds in any situation to think about how my response to it might impact the other people in the room. Mm-hmm. And that's been really, really powerful for me. I guess yeah. it's just empathy. Yeah. Forcing yourself to count to three yeah. before you go out yeah. with an immediate reaction. Yeah. I think that's made my life better. I think that's made the life 
of the people in my life better. <laughs> so I figure if everyone does it, the world's got to get a little bit better. <laughs> well, Kathy, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I think it's been really exciting. We've covered so much today as well. Um, although we kind of like knew what we were going to be talking about, I feel that it's, it's been a really insightful conversation. And I'd just like to thank you for being really open and honest with us today. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.